Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Weddings podcast. Scott here, just on my own, just wanted to quickly enjoy the episode and say that we recorded this back in March with the lovely Becca from North Sky Yurts. Um, just if we reference anything random, then yeah, it's from back in March. Um, we're having a bit of a rainy July, so I do hope the summer comes back soon. Hope you're all having lots of fun planning your weddings. And as always, any questions, please just let us know. Give us an email, drop us a DM on Instagram. And yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to All Things Weddings, helping you navigate your wedding planning journey. And here are your hosts, Scott and Hannah. Hello, welcome to All Things Weddings. I'm Scott, the photographer behind Scott Kiney Photography. I'm Hannah, the wedding planner behind Hannah Rachel Weddings. We're here to help you navigate your wedding planning, to freely share tips, insights and behind the scenes so you hopefully feel less overwhelmed and stress-free while planning your gorgeous wedding. Want in on all our tips and to listen to us chat to some of our favourite suppliers? Well, then let's dive straight in. Cool. How are you, Hannah? How's your week? Really good, thank you. Yeah, just again, same as last week, same as every week. Consultations, function sheets, updates, chatting to suppliers, nothing kind of groundbreaking or new, but it just, yeah, keeping everything ticking over in the background. What about you? Yeah, same. So I've got my second wedding of the year on Sunday coming up so that's gonna be nice although it's supposed to like snow and be really cold but this morning's really nice i think last time i said it was quite drizzly wasn't it when recording and yeah. today it's really nice and sunny but still cold yeah it's supposed to be like there's like yellow warnings for like the north of england from tomorrow or something so uh yeah we'll see what sunday's like but yeah it should be really nice excited to get back back again so yeah really Definitely. good it's nice to get into the swing of things again once you've done one then it's like oh you remember it all don't you and it just comes like naturally again it's just getting that first one ticked off and then you're you're full yeah full yeah it's really nice to do them and i like i've got a few weeks after that to the next one then a few weeks and then it's that's like all go then really i've got like one you know at least one a week from like may to october or whatever so yeah you get right in the flow of it so that's that's always really good but yeah no, I'm excited about it. But so yeah, just I'm trying to chill a bit as well because I know it's like as soon as it, you know in the winter trying to tick off so much. Actually, I've been quite busy, and then suddenly summer comes. I'm really busy shooting, and I'm like, oh wait, I didn't have the downtime that I was gonna have in the winter that I said I would. And so yeah, so yeah it all catches back up with you, doesn't it? All of a sudden, and you're like, oh gosh, I could have used those months to chill out, or maybe go on holiday or something. Yeah, we're going away. So after we get married in May. And we're going to centre parks for like a week with the kids. So that'd be nice. And that'd then, be amazing. Yeah. Centre parks is like one of the best places. Yeah, it's just ideal for kids, isn't it? We can obviously pack the car with everything we need, which is a lot. Drive there. Like it's all pretty like safe. And, and obviously there's a swimming pool and activities. And so they're pretty young. So it's quite limited. So to what we can do anyway. So it's perfect really for us. And then me and Sarah are going to try and go away at some point. But we just need to wait till the kids are like, I don't know, of an age where we feel safe, like not safe leaving them, but like, we know they're not going to absolutely terrorize whoever, like my mom or whoever has them for like a weekend. Yeah. So we'll plan something maybe like next year or the year after, but yeah, we'll see. So shall we intro our guest for this week? Yes. Yeah. I'll let you do the honors. Okay. So we have the wonderful Becca from North Sky Yurts. Um, how are you, Becca? Yeah, fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me on as a guest. I'll just give a little intro that I am nearly 37 weeks pregnant at the moment. So if I lose track of what I'm saying, that's why. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair excuse, isn't it? It's a fair excuse. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so do you want to tell uh, us a bit about what, like, North Sky Yurts then? Like, a bit of the background? 
Yeah, so North Sky Yurts is a yurt and belt enterprise row business. We're based in Leeds. And I founded it with my business partner, Charlotte, back in October 2020. Charlotte would have loved to have been with us today, but she is actually in Canada skiing before the season kicks off. Um, I've told her no injuries are allowed. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, no broken arms, no broken legs, please. I've seen your on your Instagram. It's quite it's a fairly physical task. A lot of it, isn't it? With putting up the tents and moving them and all that. So yeah, I feel like a broken arm. She'd basically just get to sit and watch for months. Yeah, probably not ideal. Yeah, no. And I think she'd find that super frustrating because Charlotte's more of the operation side of the business. So yeah, I think sitting down and watching is not in Charlotte's skill set. <laughs> So, yeah, we've got the two large yurts, which host like weddings, parties, and then we've got over 50 bell tents now for like accommodation. And our biggest kind of market that we work in is with weddings, but we also do festivals, corporate events and private parties. We are in our third year of business now and we've kind of launched some different things along the way. We've got a pop-up site for hen parties. we're really big advocates of like supporting other women in business as well. So we're kind of part of a lot of networks for that and deliver lots of talks to help people with their business plans and that type of thing. So yeah, that's kind of a bit of an update on us. So you've grown because obviously we met back right at the beginning of when you launched Becca and you've grown absolutely massive now since that period, haven't you? It's like you kind of hit the ground running. And I think, do you think that taking on the belt, because the belt, it was the year first, wasn't it? And then it was the belt that were in addition to go alongside it. Do you think that's really helped sort of drive the business forward? Yeah, so I think another benefit for us as well was we're setting up in lockdown. We kind of had a lot more time to plan those basics of the business. So we really got our website looking good and really useful. We networked a lot with other suppliers in that downtime that I think if we'd have set up in kind of the normal world now, we probably wouldn't have had time or other people's time to really get us started. And then, yeah, we started with the yurts, but then we bought the Bell Tent business. So it was already established over near Hull. We moved it over to Leeds and we've kind of grown there. And I think... Having the option of like an event space and then the accommodation to go with it has been exactly what our customers wanted, kind of what they needed. And then just over time, we've kind of always looked at our inquiries and been like, what are people asking for? What's useful? And that's why we started the hen parties, because a lot of people wanted these outdoor hen parties, but didn't have their own land to do it on, or they wanted somewhere a bit more central and they wanted like a full package. So that's, I think, helped us grow by just listening to what customers are looking for. So in regards to the kind of hen party side of things, and you mentioned that you've got a pop-up site. So is that like a semi-permanent site that you use sort of through the summer months to host these hen parties? Yes. So we set it up in April and we have dates across April to September and it's yeah semi-permanent so the structures go up for the summer and some of our yurts are there as like a gathering space and then there's all the accommodation and it's been really popular because we offer like the full package so hens get the silent disco that type of thing and 
it's just outside Leeds, so it's only 20 minutes if people want to go and explore the nightlife of Leeds, which is always a good night out. Yeah, the site, I've been to the site, it's really good, isn't it? Like, it's a nice space, like, obviously just all open fields pretty much, so it's, like, really, you feel kind of on your own without being yeah. far away from anything, but having all that, everyone just staying in, obviously, in the bell tents. You say you bring in, you can bring in, like, party games or, I say, the silent disco and there's like a lot of activity options as well isn't there as well as i guess they could sort yeah. their own things out if they want but yeah it's really good like space quite unique i feel yeah and i mean scott photographed it perfectly for us and really captured kind of the essence of what it's about it's about very much like an outdoor bride who kind of just wants to be with her friends just having loads of fun and we definitely feel like we've attracted the right group for what we're offering which has been great so, yeah, this year we have two sites. So it's all the same site, but it's in two areas now. Um, still very private kind of from each other. And it's allowed us to cater for smaller groups as well because the bigger site is 20 plus people. But we had a lot of inquiries of people that want a, you know, 12 or like 14. So we've been able to cater for both groups now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's really, really good, isn't it? Do you want to, should we talk a bit about weddings and stuff then? Where, so obviously you've got this site, is this, do you do weddings there? Is it just the hen party stuff that's hosted there? And then do you travel for weddings then? Is that the idea? Yeah, so we travel for weddings. So we work closely with quite a few, you know, venues across Yorkshire and like Northern Lincolnshire where, yeah, people hire us as the structure for their weddings. And because our yurts aren't huge, so our, largest year can kind of host a group of about 60 and they are more for those smaller weddings a bit more intimate or smaller yet which hosts like 35 is really nice for elopements and that type of sized wedding so yeah we kind of travel around so a lot of people hire us for their farm you know like if, if they've got lands that works really nice or yeah we work with these kind of outdoorsy venues so that works really well yeah, it's a good alternative to like marquee TP kind of thing, I guess, isn't it? You've got that structure that can kind of be put up, you know, anywhere as long as you've got the size, I guess. And, yeah. you know, you can offer that that sort of option. And it's nice that for smaller, because a lot of TPs and, and marquees are obviously generally quite big. So if you want that smaller size, it doesn't feel too lost. Whereas yeah. you know, with the year, it's kind of quite nice and intimate space, isn't it? And like 60 is still a pretty big number, really. It is, but I think whenever we put up the yurts, everyone always, always like, oh, it looks a bit small. And then once we've got kind of the canvas on and people go in there like, oh, it's for Qatardis. Like it's much more spacious in size. And I think what makes the yurt unique versus some of the other structures available for like weddings and things is that it's circular. So kind of you've got no like corners that things can get lost in. It's got the big skylight in the middle at the top, so it's always full of, like, natural light. It's an interesting structure, so because it's all wooden trellis and wooden roof beams, you don't actually have to do much to it to kind of really create that, like, rustic outdoorsy environment. But equally, it's, like, kind of a perfect way to hang what you want from the ceiling or, you know, to put foliage around the trellis. So it kind of works really well for people that want to put their own stamp on a wedding from a styling and decor point of view it is fabulous whether you're going full out colorful festival or you're going really classic and elegant sort of whites peaches blushes sort of thing 
no matter what you choose, it, it just works so beautifully, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, kind of, you obviously know from style in the years, it's like you can create it really individual to the couple because and if, if there isn't a huge budget for styling as well, then you don't have to do much to make it look really special. And because yurts aren't as popular as teepees or marquees, a lot of people's guests have never seen one before. If, if it was just kind of blank and empty, people would still be like, wow, this is cool. This, I've not seen something like this before. And they're really good when you module them together, aren't they? So when you do like a smaller year and a bigger year, you have a smaller one as a bar area. You can have sort of like a stove in there, can't you? You know, like a heat source. And then you've got the bigger one, which is your dancing, dance floor, sort of dinner. And, and that works really nicely having it all connected. You've got different spaces to sort of mingle between as well as outside, which is always fun to guess. Yeah, definitely. We've had... You know, the smaller one used as like a cinema room. So for those smaller weddings, or if people have got married abroad and are then kind of having a party when they get home, we've had some people use the smaller yet with like a projector screen and then they've watched the video from their ceremony with their guests. And that proper stuff works really well because we're super flexible on what people use the yurts for. Cinemas have been quite popular and then... Because it is that like transition, you've got those separate areas inside and then you've got the outdoors. It all flows like really nice. Obviously, for anybody who's thinking about planning an outdoor wedding and they're looking at the different options, what do they kind of need to bear in mind when they're thinking about a yurt wedding? So what kind of like land do they need, sort of space? You know, what are the logistics of having the sort of yurt set up? The first thing, and it's often... The trickiest thing to nail down when you're kind of first starting planning bit are your guest numbers because we would hate to kind of go down the line with someone if they thought they were only having like 40 guests and we're like perfect the year is kind of perfect for that and then all of a sudden they realize there's 20 people that or you know 30 40 people they've forgotten to invite so I'd say the first thing is really have a solid idea of how many guests you are inviting and that goes for all structures, really, because you wouldn't want to sign up to a three-structure TP and then there only be 50 guests. So, yeah, that would be my first tip. And the second one is, yeah, what land have you got available? Because not only does it need to be kind of big enough, which depends on what size year you're going for, for the years, it does need to be relatively flat as well. So sometimes we go out on site visits, particularly over like Huddersfield Way where everything's pretty hilly and a year just isn't the best option. It might be best to go for a structure that's a bit more flexible, like a stretch tent or something that hasn't got as many weights on the ground. And then the last thing I'd say is access. But how close can, you know, an extra long wheelbase van get to the site so that we're not carrying equipment a long way and you know, is it private roads? Do you need to get permission from somebody else? If it's a venue, what day can we get on site to come and set up? Because if it's a venue that are turning weddings around quite quickly, that might make things tricky because we always want to set up a day or two before the wedding to make sure that then if you are having a stylist in or you're decorating yourself, you've got time to do that before your wedding. Because it would just, logistically it's super tricky to try and get a structure up to a time scale on the morning of an event because you know weather is always an unknown and 
wind and rain and that type of thing can always throw out a time scale. So yeah, they would be my three things like know your number of guests, check that your land is actually suitable for the type of structure you want, which for a year is fairly big and like nice and flat. And then also check your access and make sure you know when we could get on set up and how close we could get with a van. That's cool. If couples are like us, obviously they're, they're sort of considering, yeah, we'd, we'd, we're interested in a year. When they get in touch with you, can you do you go out and see the plot then and kind of advise them or do you send them kind of, here's, you need to measure it out and tell us this, this, this. Like how involved are you in that process, like the planning, initial planning stage? So it can depend if, Obviously, it's one of our recommended venues. We often know the site, so it's not even a question. We're just like, yep, absolutely. And then it's more a question of which way do you want the door facing or how far back on that bit of land. Um, What we often do is we've got like a bit of a site specification. So we say like, here are all the things that you need to have a think about if you're having it, you know, on your own land or you're hiring some land. Customer to do a little bit of measuring themselves, but if they're really not sure, we offer a complimentary site visit. So we'll go and look at it with them and just make sure it's appropriate because we would never want to turn up to a site and be like, we can't deliver this. We would, you know, letting down customers is just not in our DNA. So yeah, we would always offer a site visit if we weren't sure. I think that's why site visits are so valuable, aren't they? Because you can the site you know exactly what to expect during setup the client knows exactly and the couple knows exactly what's happening and it takes out any of that uncertainty the uncertainty that might sort of come with yeah. the logistics side of it and it's the same then for access you know we can kind of check things because we're we're the experts in the yurts and yes a, a couple and a customer can kind of look at our site specification and check it out but ultimately they don't do it as a job so there might be things that they just haven't thought about so yeah we that's why we're like we'll come out and have a look and often what surprises customers is that we will say you know like actually we think this type of structure is more suitable because ultimately it's about the couple having the day that they deserve and using their budget wisely and we work with a lot of other structure suppliers to make sure that we can always recommend somebody that we know and trust that could take on that job if we physically can't do it because either the site's not suitable or you know it clashes with another booking so yeah we always put the customer first in terms of what's going to work best for them really important isn't it and i think that's why when you build up because you do get really good reviews and you get great feedback from your um, sort of customers and I think that's why all of that extra sort of level of customer service and the detail that you go to and the effort is really important yeah definitely like yeah we want to we just love it when we turn up after an event and they're like it was amazing or we get to see all the photos and or we're sometimes there and we'll get to see everything being dressed up or whatever. That is like the buzz for us with the job, you know, like, so we would never take on anything that we thought we couldn't deliver our absolute best on. And I think a lot of customers sometimes shocked from, we're like, you know, this is what we think is better, or they're shocked that we recommend a competitor. But then it's because we're in it for creating those like magical experiences and people having a great time like more than anything else. Yeah, it's really good. So we talk a bit about the accommodation stuff, the bell tents end. So what, 
So obviously you mentioned you've got 50 now, which is obviously a lot. What's, yeah. What do you see the normal use cases for at weddings and with bell tents and what's the kind of most common thing for you guys to do? So again, bell tents are so useful if you are at a more remote venue or a more remote location. So we work with a lot of venues that, you know, are more in the countryside. So they've not got travel lodges, premier inns like on their doorstop and local B&Bs are limited or they're wanting their guests to stay for the whole weekend because, I mean, you guys all know the weekend weddings have become super popular. It's no longer just like a one day thing. It's like, actually, if people are coming, traveling to see you, let's have a full weekend party, which is great. And something I'd like strongly advise because you get to kind of catch up the next day, which is really nice. And if you've got people from different friendship groups, you can kind of catch up the day before and meet people before the actual kind of day of the wedding. So what we're from find is we get booked for those types of venues and they'll have, they'll either book tents for like the immediate wedding party. So bridesmaids, groomsmen, family, like immediate family, or they open it up to like all of their guests. Obviously it's tricky with this because it's slightly different to the years where you're choosing how many people you're inviting. With the bell tents, most people get their guests to obviously chip in to the accommodation. So they don't always know when they inquire with us exactly how many people they're going to house. So depending on location, we sometimes have a minimum order requirement. So if it's somewhere that's quite far from us, we'll just say like minimum 10 tents booked. So sometimes a couple will book that minimum amount of tents and then just stay in touch with us and kind of acting on as people go along, which works really well. I think last year we were doing villages of up to like 26, 27 tents. And it was so fun picking them up the next day because everyone was kind of still sat around in the middle of the village chatting about the night before. And I don't know, we always feel like we've been there when we come to pick up. We're like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, I feel like I was at the wedding now because I've just heard all the fun stories. And we get such rave reviews for the tents because you're not paying for a taxi. You're not trying to organise a taxi because for a lot of remote venues, you have to pre-book them. You can't just decide at like one in the morning that you've had enough or ring a taxi. You have to book some days in advance. So having kind of tents on site means that people can kind of disappear off to bed as and when they need to, which I think for some of the weddings we go to, it's not till 6am. Uh, <laughs> but that's what's nice about it. You've got that flexibility that if you want to party all night, you can and then you've got it all set up for you. You don't have to set it up yourself. You can just roll into bed and it's kind of all done and sorted. And one thing that works really well with us is um, if we've got all the guests staying over, the couples often stay over. So we do like a special tent for the couple. It has like a real bed. So they get a good night's sleep. They've got like fairy lights, decor. And we also put like a little snack camper in because... I remember on my wedding night being starving by the time I got to my tent because I also stayed at about some more wedding night. So it's nice having those little extras for the couple as well. After all, hard work they've put in planning it all. Definitely. That sounds like the perfect end to a night, doesn't it? And I think you really hit an interesting point there because a lot of people choose to have an outdoor like wedding because they want it to feel like they've got no restrictions. They haven't necessarily got 
Obviously, different venues will vary, but they haven't necessarily got a curfew where they have to go to bed, where everything has to stop. They can have that more relaxed festival feeling and they can get everybody together and be really social. They don't have that cut-off point and then everybody has to go home. They can have a chat and then after if they want to or continue on the party, which I think is always fun. In regards to the kind of accommodation side of it, like, logistics then do guests send you a roomy list is it up to the couple to work out where everybody's going to be staying do they send you a list of names do you sort of allocate the bell tents to guests like with a little sign or how does that kind of set up how does everybody know where they're going the couples kind of they're our lead point of contact and they let us know what size tents they've got so we've got four meter tents that comfortably sleep like two people and then we've got five metre tents that can sleep at four. And then we've now also got two emperor tents where you can have like eight people in a tent, like a bit more. It works out well if people have got like teenagers coming to give them kind of their own room. And what we do is nearer the time, we send out our tent planner, which is essentially a spreadsheet because when you're wedding planning, spreadsheets are king. And they've got like a column of who's in what tent, what size the tent is. And then we say, you know, like, do they, do you want doubles? Do you want singles? Any extra notes? What order kind of do you want people in? Because depending on what the land looks like, you can have all your tents in a big circle. You can have them in two rows facing each other. We're really flexible on how people want it setting up because, you know, it is actually a big aesthetic part of your wedding as well. And we get some great photos of like the couples walking down the rows of tents or groups of friends sat in the middle if they've got a big circle. So we always have that chat with the couple of that month before being like, what shape do you want it in? And then here's the tent planner. Tell us who's in what tent and whether they want doubles and singles. And then on the day, we will go and put little tags on each tent to let everybody know where they're staying and who's in their tent with them. Although most of the time, hopefully they know and that's not a surprise. But yeah, I think actually that kind of made us stand out a little bit because that's sometimes not offered. But we just, again, want to make it as easy as possible for the couple because particularly in that month before, that's when all your final invoices are coming in. That's when, you know, you're deciding all these last minute bits. So if we can just take that stress off being like, here's a template, you just fill it in, we'll sort it all on the day. Everyone's always like, oh, that was so nice and easy. Like, great. And most of the time, people are like, you set them up however you think it's best because they kind of know we're out and about in different shaped spaces. And we always want it to just look really well so that when the couple are kind of telling their guests that that's where they're staying, you want people to kind of walk in and be like, I'm actually like, at a festival. Like, this looks great. It's nice that couples, you know, it's really important for couples to trust their suppliers, isn't it? And it's good to have an idea of what you want and how you want things to go. But the supplier is sort of the expert in that field. So it's nice to be able to trust them to to set up and do what they need to do to know that that's going to be the best for the experience that you and your guests are going to have. Yeah, I think trust is super important. And throughout the booking process with us, we're like, call us, email us, you know, we're always here to answer questions. And as cliche as it is, but I'm like, no question is stupid. Like you haven't organized, for a lot of people, they haven't organized an event before. They've never booked accommodation for like 80 guests before. So actually most of the time, 
something that they're worried about is something we deal with all the time. So we can instantly kind of reassure the couple that it's sorted and everything's fine. But because accommodation isn't central to like the ceremony or the reception, it's kind of more like afterwards. We do just try not to take their attention too much away from those other bits. We're like, let's just make this easy, make it stress-free. And to be fair, I would say that's probably the biggest bit of feedback that we get, that it's been kind of stress-free and we're always getting back to people super quick so that no one's kind of sat waiting being like, I haven't heard from the Bowsley company. Like we always try to preempt questions with plan impacts. We also send out a how to glamp booklet. It's like, you know, bring an eye mask if the sun wakes you up in the morning or if you're a, you know, sound sensitive, bring some earplugs. You know, like all those little helpful tips so that the couple don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's really helpful, isn't it? Cool. So what you mentioned, obviously, like, you know, a couple will tell you how many people see in each tent and so on. You set up the kind of the sleeping stuff inside. Is that like bedding? Is that, do I like need to bring a sleeping bag? Like what's the, and it sounds stupid, but like my vision of camping is like when I was 10 and I like <laughs> got one of those like, you know, Peppa Pig or whatever it was at the time, like air bed things. And then it had like a sleeping bag on top. So what's the like, what's the interior setup? So our goal again is that people turn up and they don't have to do anything. So it is literally like a mobile hotel room. So just from like a kind of guest setup, you go in, you've got a doormat straight away because obviously sometimes you can be in like a bit of a muddy field or it can be a bit boggy. So we're always like, it's really important for people to have somewhere to take their shoes off because this is like their bedroom for the next like couple of days. So we've got like a doormat, like, everyone takes their shoes off a nice rug to really make it feel like homely um we've got air beds which sometimes people worry about but we are a near on impossible or like really low failure rate on air beds and we always leave spares as well so if, if something happens like someone jumped on one and it made it start to go down we always leave spares upon spare batteries for the fairy lights you know we would never leave people without what they need. It all comes with 13.5 tog bedding. So it's nice and cozy. And it's not sleeping bags, it is duvets, pillows, sheets, the whole thing with a blanket as well, in case it is a bit chilly. Got fairy lights around the pole, which just look so nice at night, like really magical. And then we have like bunting out the front. So it just really helps that like festival feeling and little lanterns beside the bed as well. So it's all really cosy and comfy. And I think because everyone does have those camping experiences of like, I don't know, scouts and guides or, you know, family ones where you end up sleeping in a puddle because the water's got in the scent, like that is just not not how it is now. This is glamping, like this is a notch. Yeah, we were always on some sort of hill and then you'd end up like, you wake to go to bed like that and you wake up and you kind of like all crumble at the end because you just sort of slid down in the night, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different. That's what I would always say to people, like, sometimes we'll get asked to come and do a site visit and stuff because there will be a bit of the hills of the bell tent. Bell tents can be a bit more flexible about going on bumpy ground, but we're always like, just have a think about your guests and what position they will be sleeping in because you definitely don't want to be kind of head down and feet up either, especially not after a heavy drinking session. <laughs> yeah, uh, really good. Like, I love the atmosphere of them and, like, you know, obviously me and Hannah have spoke about outdoor winds before as well. And 
Yeah, they're just so nice. And it's just, I don't know if I'm just more aware of it now because I, I do photograph quite a lot of weekend long weddings and I offer like, you know, a day, you know, the evening before, day after kind of sessions as well if, if couples want that. So I'll often go and yeah. I love doing like, if say it's a Saturday wedding, I love doing a Friday night coverage because I'm then meeting, obviously I've already met the couple, but generally I haven't met the guests or anything before. So it gives me that chance where there's like, you know, there's no timings, there's no like stress, you know, no one's worrying about speeches or ceremony. You know, everyone's just basically, yeah, sat around, maybe having a drink or playing cards or whatever, just having a laugh. And I did one recently, just did like rounders and just all basically just had a bit of a laugh and a bit of a drink. And then, you know, just this nice way for like people, if they, especially if two sides of family haven't met or, you know, everyone just sort of bonds a little bit before the day, which is nice. I get to see everyone and like get a feel for people and they get to know me a little bit ahead of the day itself. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it, but I don't know if it's just because I do more of that now that I'm more aware of it or it's just become more of a trend, but it definitely seems to be more popular now than even yeah. pre-lockdown. I don't know if it's because we now value that kind of time with friends and family more. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely become more popular than before because I, I think a lot of the time, particularly if you got married locally to where you lived, your wedding was just like less than 24 hours. Whereas now, you know, it is more of a weekend thing and our generation, you're a bit more spread out from your friends and family sometimes as well. So you wouldn't want to get someone up just for the up or down wherever you live in the country, but you won't want to get them there for just, you know, like one day. But we find that like, particularly with our setups, we offer like a campfire as well. And that works really well for like a Friday night, you know, like everyone is sitting around the campfire, like catching up. And then like you said, like rounders is really popular and then one thing that's become more popular with couples kind of last year, and we're hearing it a bit more this year, getting like a food van to come and do like breakfast baps the morning after the wedding, which genius and also like such a a nice way for people to get to kind of tell the funny stories from the night before because there's always some and they're always worth hearing, but also kind of get to say a proper goodbye, whereas if you leave the night of the wedding, like in the middle of the reception, everyone's like drunk or dancing, you don't always get to say like a proper goodbye, you know, to people that you might have just made really good friends with at someone else's wedding. I love a wedding friend. (laughs) Especially if you, as a guest, like you normally get guests traveling from all over the place, don't you? So it's nice for them to be able to have that time to like catch up with family and friends and like you said, new acquaintances that they have to sort of spend the day with and it is such a fun day and there's always so much going on that it's you don't really complete it till the day after and it's quite nice to have that time together like you said to kind of just go through it all and not feel like it had a really abrupt ending yeah definitely because at my wedding although a few of us stayed over in bell tents afterwards the venue itself like lights came on bang on midnight and it felt super abrupt and Like I said, because everyone had had to put their taxis beforehand, some of the taxis only had availability at half 11 and those guests felt like they missed out on that like last half an hour. So having a bit more of a setup where you get, you know, the venue for a little bit longer and then you've got a camping deal to wander off to, it just means that people that kind of want to wind down rather than go from like dancing to like sleep, it's just nice to have that time where... People can just sit around having like one for the road, even though it's a short road back to your tent. <laughs> and, then, you know, like, I don't know, yeah, play some cards or just relax. Yeah, but in regards to your Bell Tent Villages then, they don't have, couples don't have to book a yurt with you, do they, to be able to book a Bell Tent Village? You do that separately? Yeah, separate. Yeah, we, in fact, 
we've got lots of bells and villages booked in this summer while the uh, are up at our hen party site. So yeah, it's not, you know, you don't have to book one and you have to book the other, which is nice. Because again, a lot, because our yurts aren't huge, our bell tents work really well with big TP weddings where they've got like the three TPs or, you know, like big marquee weddings, like the tents kind of go hand in hand with a lot of structures. Yeah, it's good to have all the options, isn't it? Which is nice. And I just love it. I just, I would, I'm always a big advocate of it. I just think you mentioned on the booking taxis going back a bit, but yeah, like sometimes you think, right, well, ceremony's at 12, right? That's a long day. Yeah, surely by 11, we'll be ready to go book the taxi for then. And then once you're in the day and you're there and you're like drinking and having a laugh and you get to like, suddenly it's five to 11, you're like, oh, I really don't want to leave, but you've, like, yeah. so you haven't really got a choice. So just having those options is, is really, really good. Yeah. Definitely. And I think couples that go for like outdoor weddings are generally like they're quite relaxed and quite free flowing. Things aren't necessarily as kind of structured. But yeah, like you said, Hannah, at the beginning, I think people go for that type of wedding to not have the strict timings and rules and things like that. So yeah, that I think that's why kind of the bell tents are really popular for that type of couple and that type of wedding. Yeah, amazing. Cool. Thanks so much, Becca. What have we got? I'm looking at Hannah now. We've got any other points? Is that it, Hannah? We hit, hit all our we've points. Covered, we've done well, I think. I think we've covered quite a lot in that. I think Becca has <laughs> been amazing at going into so much detail, especially for couples. This is, it can be quite an overwhelming experience, especially if you're planning an outdoor wedding. There is a lot, you know, I think it's fair to say there is a lot more logistics sort of. Yeah time that needs dedicating to an outdoor wedding to make sure everything's set up and you've got everything and I think yeah. the way explained it has been like really reassuring and helpful you know so it doesn't have to be really daunting if you find the right team to help you they can really walk you through it and talk you through it and and discuss the different options available so you're not just left to try and work it all out on your own yeah definitely I know that you do a lot of like outdoor weddings with your planning service it's like that's why it is really helpful to have somebody doing like on the day planning in the run-up so that you then kind of can really enjoy the free flowing of the day and not be worrying about what time the caterers are serving or what time the evening entertainment's coming so I think it all kind of works hand in hand with just having a really good team and on the other point Scott about the type of weddings you photograph it is Another tip I'd say to couples is find a photographer that is good at taking outdoor shots, like working with the natural light, but also capturing the essence of an outdoor wedding, like the fun bits. Because I remember kind of looking for one of our styled shoots and seeing how much your photos, I feel like I'm at the weddings, everyone's just having so much fun. And you really capture those moments that people look back and be like, do you remember when that person was like, I don't know, doing break dancing on the floor? rather than the like really formal ones. So I think it is about like building that cohesive team that know what they're doing, they're experts in like that field and kind of making it work. I think the only thing that I haven't covered from like my point of view is about the sustainability aspect of like our business. So one of the key things about when we set up was that we were going to try not to have an environmental impact. And that has been a key theme through like all of our business decisions. So for example, even just down to like our business cards are made from recycled t-shirts, our uniform is from recycled bottles. And 
when we're out on site, there are certain decisions that we make from a, just from an environmental point of view. And like in our yurts, we don't put up our fairy lights with cable ties. We do it with reusable Velcro. And it's sometimes those little things that actually for a couple that are a bit more eco-conscious, if you know that your supplier thinks that way as well, you can kind of then focus on other bits because you know that that's kind of being looked after there. And we've had like a lot of good feedback from customers being like, I love that you are kind of working towards that, like in the moment, even though some of it's only small. I mean, there are loads more things we'd love to do. Like I'd love to have a massive electric van, but for a small business, they're kind of not within the realms of reality at the minute. But what we do do instead is we offset all of our travel by planting trees. And we also send a little certificate to the couples to say that we planted a tree for like their event. So that little things like that, I think, are just, it work really well for the types of customers that we work with. And yeah, just sort of pop that in at the end. I think that is such a big aspect of your like business model and one of your values, which I, you know, we might know about, but couples might not realise when they're looking for, you know, how important it is to them when they're looking, you know, for a supplier. And I think with the way the world is going at the minute, those small changes are really important. And if we all as businesses made smaller changes and we adapted the way we do things to be more sustainable and thinking more consciously about it, we would then have an industry which maybe wasn't as wasteful and wasn't sort of that throwaway kind of culture, which, you know, weddings can be known for, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And we also, back to building a cohesive team around an outdoor wedding, we also have a lot of suppliers that consider their sustainability too. So like florists that are thinking about, you know, what flowers are in season rather than kind of shipping them in from across the world when they're not in season. All that type of stuff is really important for us as well. We're definitely seeing a shift in couples considering sustainability further up their kind of priorities with weddings and hiring in styling rather than buying it all and then not knowing what to do with it after. And that's where we offer some things like for the hen parties this year, we're decorating the yurts a little bit because last year we found the decorations go up for like a day and then we were binning them because they were like on a big, lots of balloons or you know, lots of plastic stuff. So this year we're trying to preempt that a bit more by putting up ribbons and paper decorations so that then, one, it makes it easy for the customer because they're turned up and it's already decorated, but two, kind of lowers that waste. So we're always thinking about ways to just do a bit better. And like you said, it's one less thing for the customer to think about or one less thing that they might not have thought of. So I think it's kind of our job as a small business to kind of show the way. Brilliant. And I think when you said about the team as well, it's really good for you to know, like it is when I recommend suppliers, who matches the couple's vision and their brief, but also who is consciously making decisions to be maybe more sustainable and using different processes that do complement sort of the way you work too and the couple's vision, which I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. I think if you're planning a wedding, getting supplies recommended from your other suppliers is a really good way of finding people because they'll most of the time already work together. They'll know a lot more about those businesses. And when I planned my own wedding, I ended up getting a lot of our suppliers from the venue because they'd already worked for them, the people knew the venue. So definitely like just a side tip of not feeling afraid to ask for like recommendations for other suppliers because 
even though using florists as an example, even though you might not think like Beltons and florists or whatever, we obviously work within the industry and we work with lots of amazing suppliers and always happy to, like you said, work out what the couple are want and what works and then be like, actually, this person would be great. It is sometimes, again, another overwhelming sort of instance trying to find suppliers because you go on Instagram or Google or Facebook and you can, there are so many suppliers out there that sometimes you just need somebody to help you whittle down the different options or point you in the right direction. And then you can go off and make the informed decisions yourself after you've had a call with them or, you know, you've arranged a consultation and gone through different proposals. And I think that is, yeah, a really important point. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Thanks so much, Becca. Like some, yeah, some fantastic points in there. Like a lot for couples to think about and hopefully it will make sense. What, where's the best place for people to kind of find out about you, get in touch with you? So we put a lot of information on our website, which is www.northskyers.co.uk. We're really transparent about our pricing as well. Because I know that there's like a little bit of an urban myth that people worry that if they mention the word wedding, that the price goes up. We put all of our prices on our website. So it's kind of something you can have a think about before you even get in touch with us. So that's probably the best place to start. And then we share any updates and a bit more about us as a business and us as people on our Instagram, which is just at North Skyworks. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, me and Hannah, I think we've, spoke, we've probably mentioned it every episode, haven't we, about the, like people's having pricing on and just the transparency for couples just to see what, just at least have an idea of what's happening with the price and yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, that's really useful. I think it's one of those things that if, if you, again, when you, it's unlikely you've planned things before. Why would you know how much it costs to hire a year, et cetera? So I think if you can give that information to people up front and they're not wasting their time if they're like, actually, that doesn't work for us, that's out of budget. Or it's just more helpful for when they're thinking through how much budget to even allocate towards certain bits of their wedding. So yeah, transparency is really key for us. Cool. All right, Becca, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for taking your time. Lovely to see you and uh, yeah, good luck with the baby and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then next time we talk, the baby will probably be here. <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. Not long to go now. No, I know. I'm going to have a spring baby. So just ready for the season. <laughs> just ready for everything to kick off and get nice. Yeah. At least you've got Charlotte to keep, keep, keep it going. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Becca. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to All Things Weddings. Subscribe for future episodes or head to allthingsweddingspodcast.com for all the show notes.